Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect program. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Later, we will conduct a question and answer session and instructions will follow at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the program, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. And as a reminder, this program is being recorded. At this time, I would like to introduce your moderator for today's program, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you very much, Mary, and I, too, would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect program for caregivers coping with holidays, special occasions, and birthdays throughout the year. Now, this is a very special program, and we offer it actually usually once a year, and um, we know this is very important, particularly at this time of year, but it actually is a program that we hope that you'll learn things that can you know, help you not only during this time of the year, but throughout the year as well, because, of course, special occasions and birthdays and holidays, they happen all throughout the year. Um, today's program is a collaborative effort between Cancer Care and 18 other um, or organizations, and it's really because of that collaboration that we've been able to reach so many of you. Now, we have on the call today over 895 participants, and you really come from all over the United States. You come from large cities and small cities, from suburban areas, as well as uh, rural and frontier communities. And we also have international participants from Egypt, Sweden, Syria, and the UK. So you really come from all over the world. And we're delighted that you have joined us today um, as a group clearly of information seekers wanting to ga gather information. Now, I would like to turn your attention for a moment to the materials that we sent to you. In those materials, there's an outline that our speakers have prepared. There also is information about all of the different collaborating organizations as a resource for you. And, of course, there is um, information about uh, some of our Cancer Care upcoming telephone education workshops. Now, there is an evaluation form as well. And I would ask you to take a moment at the end of today's program and complete that evaluation form. When you think about it, who but each of you can best tell us what programs and topics you'd like us to cover moving forward. So this is a wonderful time of the year for you to tell me and tell us in your evaluations what you'd like us to offer. And then we will very much try to offer those programs to you um, in our, in our um, programs that we offer. Now, today's program is made possible by support from Roche. And I really want to thank them for their support. They have been supporting this program on an annual basis, and we're very grateful for that support. Now, we have wonderful speakers on our program today, and I'm going to start by introducing our first speaker, Dr. Guadalupe Palos. And Dr. Palos is Assistant Professor, the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, Division of Internal Medicine, Department of Symptom Research. And Dr. Palos is going to really set the stage and talk about the definition of a caregiver. So what is a caregiver? Taking on the role of caregiver and managing family, friends, partners, and traditions. I'm now going to turn the program over to Dr. Palos. Thank you, Carolyn, for the opportunity to be involved in the discussion of such an important and timely topic. Um, it's a topic that focuses on caregivers and the challenges they face when caring for a loved one with cancer during special occasions, such as birthdays, anniversaries, or the holidays, like what we're in the midst of now. Many of you participating on this call may wonder, how can we celebrate a special occasion when our lives have been interrupted by cancer, especially if a loved one has just been newly diagnosed or is undergoing treatment or dealing with side effects from the treatment, such as pain or nausea or whatever. It's true that these are times when the words special occasion may stir up different types of feelings and thoughts. Special occasions are meant to be times when the good memories of previous events come to our mind. And we all have memories associated with a special birthday or a special anniversary trip. 
We also experience the excitement of seeing relatives and friends we haven't seen for a while. And we have the anticipation of preparing certain traditions that we associate with those special events. Now, as we start thinking about these memories, they often can be abruptly interrupted with the realization that, ah, that was before cancer, when life was normal. So instantly a person can go from having fond memories about a special event to feelings of dread, maybe a little bit of fear about the pending occasion. It may be a time when patients and caregivers and their families and friends may ask, how do we keep things normal when dealing with all of this? And all of this refers to the family's roles and responsibilities that are associated with caring for a loved one with cancer and still try to cope with the special occasions that come up throughout the year. So there's no doubt that the birthdays and anniversaries and holidays have a different meaning when someone we love is dealing with cancer. A caregiver may find themselves in a particularly challenging position during these times. Now, caregivers may often feel that they must keep up with the traditions that they've had in the past while continuing to keep up with their usual caregiver activities. Trying to maintain so many roles often leads to many challenges for the patient and for the caregivers. But with preparation, planning, and some preventive action, this can be a wonderful opportunity to develop new traditions and new memories for patients and their caregivers. So you've heard me use the term caregiver, 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 and you know, there's a, it's a phrase that we hear over and over, but there's still an aura of, of unknown linked to this word. Questions often arise as to who is a caregiver, what does a caregiver do, and what are the consequences of being a caregiver. These are all very good questions, and I'll briefly address these questions in my discussion. I'm also going to touch on how caregivers may need to make some trade-offs in their roles during special occasions. These trade-offs may allow the caregiver and their family to continue to enjoy the moments as much as possible. So let's begin with who is a caregiver. So let me ask those of you on this call to maybe close your eyes for a moment and picture a caregiver. Now, who's coming to your mind? Is it a healthcare professional? That is someone who cares for a person when they're ill? Or would the word caregiver bring to mind your husband, your wife, your life partner, your son or daughter, your parent, or a close friend? So a question that often arises is, what is the definition of a caregiver? And there's a great deal of confusion over this term. Some people do think it refers to a healthcare professional who provides some type of technical care to a patient. And we've heard that term used, your caregiver will call you, your caregiver will do such and such. And it's talking about a nurse or, or someone else in the healthcare field. Yet others believe it refers to a family member or a friend who provides help or support to a loved one diagnosed with cancer or any other type of chronic disease. More recently, the term family or informal caregiver has been used to refer to the person who provides some type of help to a loved one who is ill. Inter interestingly, some definitions even include a time frame for being designated as a caregiver. It is someone who spends four hours or more per week providing care. Now, those of you who are caregivers may be thinking, what? I'm too busy to keep track of the time I spend being a caregiver. Or some of you may say, oh, caregiving for me is a 24-7 experience. Those of you who are caregivers know how complex the care may be, and many of you fill different roles as you provide the care, such as working full-time and caring for children or elderly parents. So caregiving tasks range from simple things such as providing company to more burdensome duties such as bathing or dressing someone on a daily basis. 
So for our discussion today, I'd like to propose a simple definition. A caregiver is an individual who helps a loved one during their illness. Now, this definition may be simple, but being a caregiver for someone diagnosed with cancer is complex, multidimensional, exhausting, and at times extremely rewarding. Now, the role of the caregiver changes throughout the course of the cancer experience, and it tends to change even more so during the year when a special occasion may arise. Many of you on the call understand what I'm referring to. If I were to ask, what is your role during the special times in your lives, more than likely your answers would vary. For example, a few of you would say, oh, in my family, it's my job to do all the decorating for the parties or the dinner. Others may say, everyone knows I do all the baking. And some of you may have even been recognized or be recognized in your family for always sending the first card for the birthday, the anniversary, the new birth, or whatever other holiday may have been pending. Now, when cancer enters into your life, those roles may change. And so your answer to that question, what is your role, may also change. Some may wonder, how can I even think of celebrations, mailing cards, baking, or decorating during these times? Yet others of you may think, how can I make this occasion even more special since we are going through these times? There's no doubt that being a caregiver can be challenging and rewarding. Um, the most common challenges caregivers face during special occasions are how to say no to new roles that may arise due to that special occasion, feeling guilty about not fulfilling their old roles, and being hesitant to ask for help or time off from a traditional role. Another challenge relates to the changes that may occur in a caregiver's physical and mental health as they try to cope with all the roles of being a caregiver and prepare for that special occasion. Caregivers may experience an increase in fatigue or a decrease in sleep. They may even experience great sadness or a feeling of loss for the old times. These types of feelings are perfectly normal. It's also a perfect time for exploring new opportunities and discovery. What do I mean by that? Well, it's a time to discover new roles, strengths, and resources for your family, friends, and partners. This is a perfect opportunity to speak with your circle of support about establishing new traditions to celebrate these special occasions. It's also a good time to talk about trading off traditional roles that a caregiver may have had. For example, if your home was the central location for all the get-togethers, this could be the year that the festivities are moved to another place, perhaps to the home of another family member or even to the home of a friend. Another new tradition would be to let the family members or friends do the baking and cooking. In fact, you might even consider deciding to order the entire meal and start that new tradition. I'm sure many of you have excellent ideas to share with us about things you have done to manage the special occasions and establish new traditions for your family and friends. Now, one point to remember, it's important to have strong communication between the patient and the caregiver as well as others in the family circle. Agreement and decisions need to be made about what will be the best plan without placing so much strain on the patient or the caregiver. So by now, you may realize that celebrating special occasions has its ups and downs now. You may find yourself asking, well, what can I do or what can one do when we're in these types of situations? Well, the first thing is to acknowledge your feelings and the change in the way special occasions may need to be celebrated. These are normal reactions. The next step is to communicate with each other about your feelings and concerns. Remember, there's no recipe on the roles of what a, new, a caregiver and patient should have now during these special occasions. 
It is critical for you as caregivers and patients to speak with each other about your preferences for dealing with this new upcoming occasion. It's also important to communicate with your healthcare providers. Let them know that there's a special event coming up. Your healthcare team may have some ideas that may help you during these times. They may be willing to be flexible on appointments so that a special event can be celebrated at a certain time. For example, uh, a patient I had that was diagnosed with cancer had planned to cruise with his wife for their 10th wedding anniversary. Now, he explained that to us as the team. And we were able to schedule his surgery after the cruise. But now what happened is the, uh, the family, the, or the wife and the husband, have a new tradition, and that tradition is to celebrate his one-year anniversary after treatment. So that's something that they've established and they're looking forward to. It's also important to remember, enjoy those special moments. Okay, maybe they're not what you had before, but you can tweak them a little bit, and now you've established new traditions. Be flexible on your roles and responsibilities during these times, and be kind to yourself and your family. Dominic and Carol and um, the other um, colleagues on this call will discuss other ways to take care of yourself during these special events, even if you have to celebrate these moments as a long-distance caregiver. Thank you for allowing me to share this time with you. This concludes my remarks. Oh, I want to thank you so much, Dr. Talos, for just such a wonderful presentation and with such compassion and with so much um, just helpfulness to everybody on the call. I just can't thank you enough. Um, thank you. And I know there will be comments and um, questions during the question and answer period later on for you, but I want to thank you very much. Um, our next speaker is Dominic Bonanno. Dominic is an oncology social worker at Cancer Care. And Dominic is going to cover caring for the person with cancer. And he's also going to talk about coping with holidays, special occasions, and birthdays. I'm now going to turn the program over to my colleague, Dominic. Thank you, Carolyn. And yes, uh, um, Dr. Palos, uh, there, was, there was really so much there and, and in terms of new opportunities, new perspectives, and traditions that um, we can you know, create anew. And the idea of communication and, and the shifts, um, and as well as the addressing the practical concerns of you know rescheduling the uh, the surgery, I think is so very important. As I focused on caregiving during uh, the holiday time, and we're right now in the midst of it, or any special occasions, as Dr. Uh, Palos mentioned, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, family reunions, weddings, and of course birthdays. Certain key words came to mind for me, and some of them um, Dr. Palos has already mentioned. Memories, reflections, traditions, celebration, challenges, stresses, expectations, and very important, strengths and courage. You know, cancer is a family affair affects the entire family and anyone else who is emotionally involved with the person with cancer. It can be overwhelming at times to both the person with cancer as well as the family, overwhelming emotionally, financially, and physically. Despite these stresses, many families discover strengths and courage they didn't know they have in facing the day-to-day -day challenge with a loved one's cancer. Facing the day-to-day -day challenges of balancing your responsibilities, hospital visits, communicating with the healthcare team, treatment concerns, medical bills, and keeping up with your own health as a caregiver, 
perhaps you've gotten somewhat accustomed to a particular routine that works for you. So reflect a bit. What is working for you and your loved one? Think about and identify the strengths you have, strengths your family has, and uh, your loved one's strengths. Become more aware of these strengths and perhaps how courageous your, your loved one was in doing a complicated surgery or hanging in with long hours of physical therapy. Reflect on perhaps how you or your loved one reached out for support to family members or friends. You were really surprised when your father agreed to let a neighbor drive him to chemo, although he was always so stubborn about asking others for help. That was a shift. Maybe you or your loved one joined a support group, participated in a TEW, as we have today, or went to a social worker for individual counseling. Reaching out is a great strength, not at all a sign of weakness. And you know, you can build on these strengths that you have and your loved one has. Every strength is a building block for future strengths. Many times, uh, persons with cancer or caregivers come into my office and of course they say, I'm falling apart. And more often of you perhaps have felt that way about yourself or uh, thinking you're just on the edge. And then I sit back and I hear all that the family and the person with cancer is doing and how much is on their plates. And I'm absolutely amazed and inspired at their level level of functioning. And all of this is true. Again, we're talking about the day-to-day -day challenges. But now come the holidays, as Dr. Lupus was, was saying, uh, Dr. Palos was saying, uh, and things are different. Uh, the holidays, the special events, things often get skewed. So much seems different, and things don't seem routine anymore. Perhaps at this point, during, you know, as you're preparing for Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or New Year's, you feel life should give you and your loved one a break from all of this. Spending the holidays in the hospital, having radiation right around New Year's, these seem totally unacceptable. Your expectations, there's an important word, may dramatically shift at this time. You know, one of the ways that I've seen uh, persons with cancer and caregivers cope is that they're able to sort of adjust their expectations. For example, uh, your doctors may really, really like your doctor, but you've, you know, adjusted your expectation to know that your doctor uh, isn't entirely perfect and may not always be available at any moment to talk to you. And this is a good thing. This is, a, uh, you know, a good way of coping. But now, as you sort of approach these special days, whatever they are, including, you know, a birthday or some other kind of a holiday, you seem to be yearning, yearning for and, ex and expecting much more. There's something about this time that leads you to that, the memories and how meaningful everything is at this time. Holidays are, even in the most normal of times, a mixed bag of intense feelings, hope, 
hopes, longing, wishes, expectations, and of course, memories. Illness, treatment, hospitals, and big medical concerns don't seem to fit comfortably within the spirit of the holiday season. Caregivers and their loved ones who have cancer often feel out of step, conflicted, pressured. I wonder if any of you are in that situation right now. Many of my clients have shared it is more difficult to take care of themselves, express what they need from others, and actually to get their needs met during this time of the year. Self-care is the key term or concept here. Now, self-care doesn't mean being selfish or mean only caring about yourself. It has to do with trying to understand how to get through these special days without driving yourself crazy. So I'd like to offer some suggestions or insights that I hope will be helpful. Here's one. I'm sure that you're all wishing that your loved one did not have this diagnosis, did not have to go for treatment, did not have to see so many different doctors. Allow yourself to have this wish. Hold on to it within your heart. Cherish it. You may wish things could go back to normal, remember, uh, to the way they were in your lives before the cancer. If this wish sustains you, comforts you, then hold on to it. It is appropriate to wish the cancer would not be in your lives. Another insight. Allow yourself to feel what you feel. Now, that's... uh, that's sort of a cliche, feel what you feel. But actually, it's, it's very profound and important. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, and any special occasion during the year are supposed to be times of great joy, great joy. You may be thinking that feelings of sadness or anger or frustration have no place during this season. And you may have to force yourself to put on a good face so as to not to hurt family and friends. Okay. Yes, even if you, you do have to put on such a face, I want you to know within yourself that certain intense feelings are very normal and that you have the right to them. Another uh, insight or something to focus on, you may have to decide how many parties to uh, attend or invitations to accept or presents uh, to buy during this time of year. And I'd like you to ask yourself this key question. Will what I am planning to do help me cope better and promote self-care, or will it impose too much of a burden for me at at this time? If you think it's going to be too much of a burden, see if you can consider not doing what is burdensome or handling it differently. And let me give you some examples. You've always had a big New Year's Day dinner at your home. But this year, with your husband in and out of the hospital, you may decide this is too much. Take a time out and maybe decide not to do it or to invite fewer people or have a potluck dinner and have others bring most of the food. However, if throwing yourself into the dinner and really getting involved in the planning will help you and keep you occupied, and this feels right for you, then do it. Cooking can be quite therapeutic. Another example. 
your best friend is having a New Year's Eve party, and come on, you just have to come. Part of you would really like to go, but a part of you is so preoccupied with thoughts of your older sister who has ovarian cancer and lives in Atlanta that it's just hard for you to imagine really being present there. But you do decide to go. But before you do go, you communicate with your friend, and you know that you know, your friend really cares about you, that if you become tearful at the party or need to be alone, you would appreciate her understanding this and letting you take a walk by yourself or just go off to a quiet bedroom you know, to compose yourself. Communication, uh, Dr. Palo said, with those important people in your life is so essential. And I'll be back in a little bit to talk about some practical tips on taking care of yourself. Well, thank you very much, Dominic, again, for just a wonderful presentation and just really for really giving lots of really helpful thoughts for everyone to think about in terms of really coping with the holiday time and um, in terms of taking care of themselves as well. And we're going to hear more from you in just a minute. I just want to say a, uh, just a few words about long-distance caregiving. You know, the way the world is now, um, often family doesn't live right nearby. Sometimes they do, but sometimes our loved ones live really quite scattered all over the country. And sometimes, um, I think of Dominic's example, um, her sister lives in another state, another part of the country. Um, it can be very challenging um, to, um, to feel as a caregiver that you're there for your family member who's far away. In another state, or even some, for some of you who live in rural areas, even if it's in the same state, but it can be really quite a distance to get from, from where you live to the person you love to where they are. Now, we do have, of course, in our world today, all of this um, ability to communicate with each other. Um, sometimes we can't always be physically there, and so we have to understand that. We just Sometimes we cannot be physically there. But we, we often can be there um, on the telephone. Some of you have cell phones on, on the cell phone. And some of you may like to use the Internet or email to each other, and I, I'm going to be interested to hear also from some of you during the question and answer time or during the time when we have a chance for you to kind of give us some of your feedback, ways that you found to communicate with each other um, even when you can't physically be there um, as a caregiver for someone. Um, because you can care for somebody and you can be a caregiver and not necessarily be in the same place as where, you, where your loved one is. So it is very possible to be very involved in someone's caregiving, but to really live far away, a distance away, and yet to stay very connected. Um, so again, it does have to do with how we communicate with someone, that we can call someone. We can send someone notes and cards, um, pictures, um, and um, we can do some very creative things to stay involved. And we occasionally can actually physically go there. It really depends on the distance. And for many people, the cost of travel, these are real issues that really sometimes really um, affect our capacity to actually physically be there. But if any of you have talked to anybody on the phone, you know that when you're talking to somebody on the phone, it's like they're just right there with you. So I want you to kind of recognize how important it is that even with long-distance caregiving, how much you can stay connected to somebody in using the telephone or by using email. And also sometimes as a long-distance caregiver, you would like to have access to your loved one's health care team. Of course, you have to ask their permission, but indeed that can be also very comforting for you and your loved one to know that you're helping with 
um, with working with the healthcare team in terms of some of the decisions that have to be made and some of the care as well. So most importantly, um, long-distance caregiving is probably becoming more and more um, a common, actually more and more people living far away from those that they love, and are yet staying very connected with all of the, uh, with, well, with the telephone, which we've had for quite some time, and with, with creative ways of using the phone and the Internet. And we'll hear more about that when we have a chance to hear from all of you. Now, I'm now going to invite Dominic back. And Dominic is going to actually kind of wrap up this section by really talking about some tips for taking care of yourself. Dominic? Yeah, so here are six, and um, just sort of, you know, kind of take them in. Okay, number one, if you feel sad about the year gone by, it's okay to express those feelings. Tears can bring a sense of relief. It's common to experience a mixture of satisfaction, disappointment, and apprehension about the future. Try not to suppress your feelings. Instead, talk them over with a loved one, a friend, or a professional counselor. Two, if you need to spend time alone, now this it becomes a big issue sometimes. People always have to decide whether they want to you know, they don't have enough time to be by themselves, and they're pulled in so many different directions. So if you do need to spend some time alone, then I think you should, you should do this. However, try to spend this time doing something that is self-comforting, self-comforting. Not just to stay alone and immerse yourself in a prolonged time with heavy, troubling thoughts that are just going to weigh you down. Think of Ways to be by yourself, reading, music, jogging, meditating, soaking in a hot tub, watching television, getting lost in even silly video games, or just plain resting or taking a nap. Do those things that make you feel good. Simple things can go a long way. Three. Another tip. This is about relaxing. Finding time to relax. I think of relaxation as a kind of a planned time out. And with all of our busy schedules, and especially being a caregiver, maybe also you know working at a full-time job, it may not be as easy to be spontaneous about finding time to relax. And think about it. You have to make an appointment with the doctor or with the hairdresser or a lunch date. I wonder sometimes you may have to make a contract with yourself that you will find an hour or two a week or 20 minutes a day. That's a firm contract that you say, I'm going to find this time to relax, whatever it is that I enjoy doing when I relax. So that's another tip because we don't want you cut off from those activities that can help you to reduce your stress. And even a small amount of reducing of your stress can be significant. Tip number four, try to understand what the holiday or special event actually means to your loved one at this time in his or her life. And now I'm going to have a memory of my mother, my like to talk about sometimes on the uh, on the workshops here. Uh, so my mother spent a number of years in a nursing home, 
uh, well into her 90s. And we talked about birthdays before. It's a special occasion. And, you know, this was her 92nd birthday, I think. And I brought her a card and some flowers. And um, I asked her, you know, being the kind of social worker, Mom, what does this birthday mean to you? And she said, birthdays don't really mean very much to me anymore, and I really don't feel up to celebrating. However, I'm very glad you brought the card. And she put the flowers out on the windowsill for everyone to see. And she was really touched that I remembered her day and that her birthday meant so much to me. And so we're kind of getting the view of the you know, the person, the older person, or the, you know, the person who's ill, and in terms of the meaning of the day, and sort of kind of going with that and allowing that. Tip number five, imagine yourself not just as a caregiver, but as a care receiver. And as a matter of fact, as we've said on, on before, in order for you to be um, a caregiver, you have to receive care in whatever way that is. So as a care receiver, I want you to have a fantasy. We all love fantasies, don't we? And in this fantasy, I want you to imagine giving yourself a very wonderful gift that only you can give to yourself. It could be something you would buy yourself or something that you wish for yourself or a special thought or a message that you give uh, to yourself that you want to hold on to. And I want you just to receive that from yourself. And finally, the last tip is strive to believe you're doing the best that you can. Affirm and validate your humanity and your caring for your loved one. This is so important. Really strive to believe that you're doing the best that you can because you know what? I really believe that you are. So take care. Have a nice holiday. Well, I want to thank you very much, Dominic, for really starting the discussion about all the different things that would help and, and giving all these suggestions to everyone. And now we actually, um, Dr. Palos and Dominic and I really, when we started talking about this program, we realized that although we were presenting some information, that we realized that on the call there's a lot of expertise from all of you. You're living this experience as caregivers. And although Dominic had alluded to his own experience, and of course um, as adults many of us have had these experiences, you're all right in the midst of these experiences right now. So we're going to, we're going to have a chance now for you to kind of, um, you can either ask a question, but the other thing you you can do, and we would find that, I think everyone on the call would find it remarkably helpful, particularly as people are struggling to find ways to get through this time of year and to have some really wonderful um, suggestions in addition to what we've presented, that if any of you have any tips or suggestions, things that have worked for you, that have helped you um, to cope with the holidays and special occasions and birthdays, we would love to hear from you, your suggestions and your tips. So I'm going to ask Mary to explain to you how to come on and make a comment. And we would very much treasure, actually, your, um, your responses and comments. We've done this um, in previous years, and I have to say, you're just an incredible group. So we're going to try it again this year, and please uh, work with us, and we'll see um, what kind of suggestions and comments you have. Uh, Mary? 
Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question or state a coping tip, please press the one key on your touchtone telephone. If you would like to remove yourself from the queue, you may press the pound key. Our first question or tip comes from Janet R. Hello. Um, I'm a long-distance caregiver, and one thing that I've found particularly helpful is this brand-new technology called Skype. If a person has a web camera and a webcam and the other person you can give as one as a gift, you're able to actually see them over the Internet and be able to talk with them, and I found that was very helpful for those people who are doing long-distance caregiving. Oh, Janet, that's wonderful. Oh, thank you. And that sounds like a great tip, actually. Yes, I wanted to mention that I had gone to my cousin's for Thanksgiving, uh, and she was up here in Long Island, and she has a little grandson down in Virginia, and they have this, just as you said, and it was so wonderful. She was able to interact with the grandson and, and her own son, and it was, it was really, the technology was actually very remarkable. I'd just like to add that I think it's amazing how um, even like grandparents, my mother is 73 years old and uh, just does not care for any new technology, but she was willing to learn you know, how to at least turn on the computer so she could get to the web camera to see um, her family members down in Arizona and uh, all across Texas. So, yes, that's an excellent idea. Yes. Just a wonderful. This is terrific. Our next comment or our next yep. question or tip comes from Linda H. Hi, my name is Linda and I'm um, from Alexander. I'm a long distance. And my sister, Joanne, she's getting ready for to go up for surgery. She has two cancer uh, problems, one in the liver and one in the pantry. And I'm a cancer survivor myself uh, from cervical. And I have a brother that is right now, he's going through, he has uh, cancer in his um I think they say it's in his uh, down below. Uh, I can't prostate, perhaps prostate, prostate uh, cancer, and he has something else. He's a diabetic, and my thing is uh, for to be encouraging to them because I started off first, and then they was coming to see how I was doing and didn't know that they had something at the same time. So really, it was me that was helping them and encouraging them that uh, God will bring them through it. So we have got a good communication line going now. And you have a wonderful, Linda, that's a wonderful comment that you've made mm -hmm. about just the spiritual connection that you all have. And um, it's very inspiring for all of us on the call. I actually would like to talk with you after the call to see if we can have any help, help in any way, but you're really, it sounds like you're an amazing um, you, you have an amazing um, connection and, and a belief system that's really getting you all through this. We haven't really talked about the belief systems, how those can help. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. and Very important. Being, yes, Carolyn. Yeah. I'm sorry. And just being yes, a role model for, for your, your, your brother and your sister, I mean, seeing that you're willing to talk to them about it and be open about it, that lets them realize that it's okay to talk about these kinds of things and not to be um, reluctant to share ideas. So that's, a next, that's another strength that you have there um, is being the role model for them. Yeah. And I wonder then if that helps you by being in a role where you feel you're, you're doing so much, it gets you kind of out of yourself a little bit. And a lot of times people talk about how helpful that can be, just kind of going beyond yourself to just connect with somebody else and be there for someone. 
That's a, yeah, that's really it's true. It's an, these are excellent points, Linda. You really are um, perhaps a family case study. You really are um, the role model for others and allowing your family to really deal with difficult situations as well as yourself. Remarkable story. Thank you so much. Remarkable people. Our next commenter. Our next question or tip comes from Janine S. Hi all. Um, my name is Janine. I'm calling you from New York. And um, I know when my mom um, was sick, she wasn't able really to get out of the house or the hospital. And um, being Catholic, she was missing all the actual the signs of Christmas and the visuals and the lights and, and the trees and uh, the carolers and the snow. Um, and one thing we found helpful, and especially because people get sick around the time, especially in New York because it's real cold here now, um, what we did was we videotaped the scenes and the streets and the familiar places that she would um, be enjoying if she wasn't sick and brought that to her and she really enjoyed that and also having missed her niece's birthday we also videotaped um, that for her and everybody sent messages and when people were sick and couldn't see her in the hospital we you know we had little video clips to bring her and everybody wished her well and um, it was a way to look at things and and try to get around things that um, otherwise couldn't have been she couldn't have had those positive memories if we didn't do that so the tip. Well, Janine, just you are so creative and so caring, and really, um, we actually haven't talked about being creative. You are so creative in doing this. Thank you. That's a wonderful tip. I wonder if, our, um, if Dr. Palos or Dominic want to comment on just that approach. Well, I just think that that starts a whole library for the whole family then, because with the video clips that are there, you can view them over and over and then share them with other folks. So that's a that's a family heritage um, that you're establishing in tradition with that. That's a beautiful idea. Yeah, I was going to say, as you had said uh, before, Dr. Palos, about creating new traditions, that, uh, and we talked about the, the technology and everything, and uh, it allows people to really be creative and being creative, you know, it's a life force and it really helps in healing and it helps in connection. Uh, so I think that creativity and, you know, spirituality, spirituality, all of these things are really things that are so much a part of the holiday season. That's really very beautiful. Thank you. Our next comment or tip. Our next question or tip comes from Pam P. Uh, yes, this is Pam calling from Arkansas, and I just wanted to tell everyone how much I've enjoyed this. It's my first time to do this. Uh, my daughter, who is uh, 40, has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, and, uh, you know, it's it's treatable but not curable. But I just wanted to, uh, I try to find things to be positive about, and through this conversation, i have realized, and I'm real fortunate to be able to be here with her, that I don't have to be long distance. And um, so that, you know, I, I just don't know how you guys do it long distance like that. So that has made me realize that I do need to be fortunate that, you know, she's here locally, that we live, you know, close by, or actually she's living at, with us now so I can spend every, you know, minute with her that I can. Uh, another thing I wanted to tell you is that uh, a friend of ours came to visit, a longtime friend from when she was a little girl, and it seemed so simple, but it meant so much. She brought a uh, 
snapshot of uh, all all five of my children with Kim in it. And uh, when we had gone to visit her years ago, when Kim was only about 10 years old, anyway, uh, Kim and I both just treasured that picture, and it meant so much to us because we had never seen it before. So you might pass that along to friends or relatives if they should have any pictures that maybe you've never seen, you know, that uh, both of you, you know, the caregiver also would get find joy out of that. Then I had a quick question, and I hope my cell phone doesn't go dead. Uh, I have several grandchildren, and normally we have a really nice big Christmas, and everyone comes to our home. Well, with the situation the way it was, I had to leave my job, and um, so it looks like this year we'll just be doing dinner. And so the problem I've ran into is I don't know how to explain that to my grandchildren, you know, especially the younger ones. They range from like uh, 20 down to uh, the great two great-grandbabies. They're like a year and a half old. So I just don't know how to explain it to them because I feel like, well, you know, it's really not their fault that my daughter got sick and that I had to quit my job. I just wondering if anyone had some, you know, had ever been through that that I could explain to them. I don't want but, them to think anything's their fault. It's a, a very thoughtful uh, question that you're asking, and I actually want to talk to you after the call as well, Pam, but I think you have some, really, that's a, I'm going to ask Dr. Palos and Dominic to comment on uh, some of their thoughts to share with you, um, to help you um, with, uh, with your plans for the holidays. Um, well, I, I would just like to... Um, to say that you you're a great grandmother and mother and um, uh, it's just really thoughtful that you're thinking about that situation with the I think that this is a beautiful opportunity though for you to have kind of like a, a family talk and you can do that in, in a couple of ways just get, gather everyone and just say the, you know this this is a time it's a temp, you know it's a temporary state of being and that might be something you might want to stress that it's not going to be every Christmas that's going to be like this but at this time it is and maybe they can even help you think of ways that um, you can celebrate differently uh, we've had families that you know come up with their own ways and that's a beautiful time when they start making their own little projects um, we've had people cut out picture you know kiddos cut out pictures and and make special frames um, I have one group that went to the dollar store and bought all these frames and then had the, the younger kids decorate the frames and then put the pictures in the frames like what you were saying of, of um, their uh, mom when she was younger and when they were you know, um, before she got sick when they were on vacations and things like that. So that, that's the time to be creative about different ways that um, you, know, you can celebrate now. Maybe it's not going to be the way you've done it before. This might be another way to do it. And in that, you can, if they do have feelings that maybe it might be their fault or whatever, you know, how everyone has those thoughts, this will be a way to, ex, you know, to emphasize the positive for them. You know? um, and, and Dominic, I'm sure, will have some wonderful ideas. Yeah. I'll just piggyback on, on what you said, Dr. Palos, but, but certainly you're being close, and as you said before, not you know, long distance and that everyone is close together. It means so much to you. I mean, that, that's very special. But what I liked about you know, uh, your suggestion, Dr. Palos, was that you were bringing the children into it. You were getting together as a family. You were, you know, having dialogue. You were inviting them to think about different ways to celebrate. A lot of times children are excluded or maybe kept in the dark, and that, 
you know, then maybe makes them feel more confused or more fearful. So sort of just bringing the family together and finding, you know, an additional meaning for the holiday, a deeper meaning for the holiday, you know, during this time, as, as you said, Dr. Paylor, if it's temporary and things can be different next year, but right now finding the real meaning of this year, but everybody sort of kind of doing it together and finding it together, I think is so important. And Pam, I just want to stress also, I heard you say one thing, um, you were saying about you not being a long distance caregiver but and that you get to spend every minute with your daughters and that's beautiful. But I would like to, to remind you to really take the time to take care of yourself also because you are there on a daily basis being a caregiver. It can be stressful for you and especially when you're you know having to think about these types of things, how you can explain things to your grandchildren and all of that. So uh, it really is important for you, um, you know, for you to remember yourself and and to remember those self-tips that Dominic shared with all of us. That does raise a very good point, actually, that you're making and that, Pam, you've reminded us all about is that often, you know, caregivers um, have a hard time just taking some time out. And we're glad you're on this call today, actually. That was a very good, a very positive step on on your part. And we hope you'll join us on other calls. Um, And, um, but I think, that we probably should say something about um, the real importance for caregivers to have time. They have, are allowed to have time for themselves because, I know as Dominic often says, in order to, to be able to be there for someone else, you have to first take care of yourself. And so we probably, Dominic, do you want to say more about that? I know you often have Yeah, that. I think maybe in a, just in a very simple, straightforward way, too, when you, people may feel guilty about that or, you know, that they shouldn't be, you know, thinking about themselves and everything and to sort of reflect on that and think about the obstacles as I was saying about before finding some ways to relax and to and to refresh and why aren't you able to do that and really by doing this and by giving to yourself you can go back to your loved one in a rejuvenated uh, energized way and so then you really in a, in a way are more available and present by tending to yourself the strangeness of it is that, that by stepping back a little bit you can go back and be there and, and you know and be more present and it's so wonderful that so many people are on the call today uh, you know uh, listening and, and self care is you know we could talk about this endlessly is, is just so essential this is all essential, and actually, we, um, I, it would be also, um, in, if anyone else would like to comment on just the things that they have done to really take care of themselves, any kind of special things that you find that you, you find are very rejuvenating for you to do, that would might be a helpful uh, comment if anyone wants to make that, or else we'll make some suggestions about that as well. Um, Mary, our next. Our next question or tip comes from Leslie G. Hi. Um, Thank you. I'm calling from uh, Marietta, California, and I actually live in Oregon. And I have moved down here to care for my mother, and I've been here since August. And um, my question is about um, dealing with anger. Um, I feel like I do fine dealing with sadness. But um, I have a lot of anger toward um, caregivers, um, the, the professional community. I don't feel like we have ever gotten the sort of care that I hear described where you talk to your caregiver about this. I mean, our, I feel like we're in a backwater place where their information doesn't, doesn't flow. There isn't any discussion about what we might be experiencing, what my mother might be experiencing. And so I just I feel really angry and um, 
are there any tips that people have found to deal with that? There, let me just say that I think that there have been things that have actually been done wrong, and that there are things that I'm probably blowing out. Okay. Well, I think Leslie makes some very good points. Um, often, um, I appreciate your bringing this topic up, and um, because often. Um, Many of you, in addition to Leslie, may feel some anger at the healthcare team in terms of perhaps they're not being as sensitive or being able to be there for you. Uh, Dominic, do you want to comment on that? Uh, well, first of all, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that, that that's happening. And obviously, when, when you hear when that other situations and other um, uh, family members and uh, persons with cancer are, are getting uh, different kinds of treatment, of course, First of all, to say that you're entitled to the anger and it's okay to be angry. All, all feelings come up and this is okay. I'm just wondering uh, what other resources might be out in the area there. Now, obviously, cancer care is always a resource because we're national and other ways that you can, you know, get support in helping you to communicate with the healthcare team more so, or finding just other uh, resources throughout, even beyond your area there that may be helpful, even in terms of support groups or advocacy groups, so that you don't really feel so isolated. It's one thing, you know, to be angry, but then also be able to express it as you're doing now, which is essential and very important, but uh, also to, to have other contacts with, with you know, with other uh, you know, family members and persons with cancer to just sort of expand the support circle. And we actually at Cancer Care do offer, um, I'll be saying more about that in a little bit, but we do, but I'd better do it right now actually, we do offer, um, you know, support groups on the telephone online. So we too right. use technology mm -hmm. to reach all of mm -hmm. you all over the country and these services are free and um, many people find them really helpful to be with a group of other people who are caregivers, and actually, um, and these groups are led by a professional uh, oncology social worker, but the group really takes on a life of its own, and people really often find it can be very helpful. We also offer individual support to people all over the country as well. So, um, uh, Leslie, please keep that in mind, and I'll, we'll say more about that, but these, uh, these services, although you, you can be anywhere in the country and access them through our 800 number, or our website, and so um, sometimes local services, people often will say, I just don't feel like I'm getting everything I need. And we sometimes can help to work with you individually, um, and, but sometimes also being a part of a, a, a something outside of that system can really help you as well. And sometimes we can actually help you with that system that you've got there. Dr. Palos, would you like to comment on that as well? Yes, I would just like to uh, just be real frank and say one of the things that you can do, uh, you are a consumer of health care, so you can talk to the team. You know, um, sometimes I know I've had patients say, oh, you know, the time goes so fast. Um, I don't. I feel like rushed. I don't. I can't say better. Or sometimes folks are afraid to say something because they think it may um, be, you know, come back and harm them in some way, or the patient, you know, their loved one. You know, so um, all feelings that are very legitimate. But I certainly would, you know, talk to the healthcare team. It shouldn't be just one person taking care of a patient. It's um, a physician. It's a nurse. Um, it, I mean, other folks are involved. You know, if there's some one person that you think you have established some community communication with or a relationship with, that's someone that you could start with. The other thing you can do is make an appointment and just 
the appointment will be to discuss your feelings and you know some of the things that you're concerned about in your mom's care, um, and so that way you can feel that your voice is being heard by the healthcare team. You know because we need to know, or healthcare providers always need to know when things like that are going on because many times they get caught up in in the schedule of things and they just don't realize um, that they're not being compassionate or they're not meeting the needs of of the patient and the family members the way they need to. Even as simple as answering a question, you know, sometimes can be difficult for the providers. So I would certainly encourage you to to talk with them also in addition to um, accessing all these resources that Dominic and Carolyn brought up. Uh, Leslie, I realize and many of you on the call have really you've really given up a um, whole segment of your life. You've relocated actually to another state and you've given up all those things that you used to do um, that gave your life a great deal of meaning. And you're trying to be very helpful and that is important to you, but you also, uh, we need to help you to carve out spaces for yourself where you recoup the things that were important to you to do before you relocated too so that you, um, so that because those things are things that were very important to you and it's, you know, all of you on the call are remarkable in the sense that you are stepping outside of your own needs often to help someone else. And I guess what we're, we're trying to say is it's, that's important what you've done, but we also want you to reconnect with your needs and be sure that um, we get you the help you need to be able to do the things that you need to do that are important to you. Um, your life is important as well. Um, um, so thank you for that, uh, really, for your really bringing this very important issue up. Thank you. Um, uh, Mary, I think we have another um, comment. Our next question or tip comes from Cheryl F. Yes, hi. Um, I am the wife of a cancer survivor. Um, my husband um, was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma two months after we started dating. Um, so that was a real fun courtship. Um, and that was 15 years ago. And um, so throughout this, and to the last caller, you know, how do you deal with this? Um, I have a degree in psychology, and, and that has really helped me to get through all of this. He had two um, episodes of uh, recurrence, and then finally he had uh, a stem cell transplant, an autologous stem cell transplant. And uh, so that was uh, just tons of fun uh, for everyone out there. Um, you know, I, I totally know what everybody's going through. We've been there. And just holding, holding the, the family together uh, as, as a caregiver and a sole uh, economic provider financially, emotionally, psychologically, um, it sometimes just gets so incredibly exhausting and you, you just don't think you can go one more step. And, um, and sometimes you just don't know where to turn. And, and I want to say to that previous caller um, and to the physician that was speaking, um, there have been many doctors that we have uh, had uh, that we really didn't get along with. And uh, the relationship between physician and patient is so critical to recovery for not only the patient but for the caregiver. 
and it, 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 it's a trust issue. It's, if you don't trust your physician and you don't trust your care team, then you don't feel comfortable and you don't feel that you can just relax and, ha and take care of yourself as a care provider and um, know that your loved one is in, is in good hands. So that's really critical. So. Well, thank you, Shalita. You have a great uh, wisdom. To, um, we thank you for your uh, comments. And um, our speakers want to comment that on uh, your, your comments, Dr. Palos or Dominic? Or? Well, um, first I just want to clarify I'm not a physician. <laughs> I'm a, uh, a researcher, a nurse, and social worker by training. So, um, but you're absolutely, absolutely right. You have to have that trust. And um, sometimes what will happen is maybe you don't have that trust with your physician. But again, I remind you, it's a team approach. So one of the things that you can do is try to identify someone that you can establish some trust, especially if you don't really have an option to go to other places. You know, maybe you're in a rural area and that's the only um, physician in that area. So, you know, um, there's that might be the only way that you're going to get the, the care that you that your loved one needs. So if you can find someone else on, on the team that you can establish a relationship with and, and some of that trust, at least you'll have um, um, someone to, to advocate for you or to, um, you know, help with that. Term. You, you, I don't know, it's someone to, to just work with you on that. Um, Dominic? Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's, that's tough, of course, especially when your options are limited mm -hmm. because sometimes there's just so much you can do on your own health care plan or, you know, where you live and so forth. But to find within the team, there are so many uh, uh, professionals on the team, that to, to build something with someone there or to identify a social worker in the hospital uh, that would be there that can, you know, be helpful to you and help in terms of building bridges. But, yes, the trust is absolutely, you know, really essential and, and you know, hopefully that's always you know wanting to to be there, but it does make it more challenging, and and um, it makes it a little harder to, to to get the care that you need. But I think it's trying to search for others that you know that that, that can hear you and can be there for you. So thank you. Our next comment or tip. Our next question or tip comes from Jennifer B. Uh, yes, actually, this is. Uh this is her mother. Yes. And uh, my daughter was diagnosed with breast cancer about a year ago. One in her own insistence, because the doctors didn't believe, and she just said, "You got to, you got to check this out. You got to check this out." So, throughout this whole year, of course, I have a lot of anger that she's the one that has the breast cancer and not me, because obviously she is younger than I am. And although I have been the person transporting her here, there, and everywhere, I got tired of doing that, and I said, well, how, the, how the heck must she feel? Because she has to go through all the treatment. And... And I'm just being, you know, the taxi cab driver and waiting and staying with her. Oh, but that's a very big role. That's a, a remarkable <laughs> role that you're taking on. Yeah. You're, it sounds like a, another a wonderful mother. And it's just, um, it's just, it's just overwhelming. 
and uh, mm-hmm. she was in a study, and now her treatment is finished. They want her to be in another study, and blah, blah, blah. And so can we help you? Let's, maybe we can help to just um, give some thoughts in terms of a mother who's really a caregiver for her daughter, because that's really um, a very... Uh, um, a very important uh, role that you're playing, but can be very, uh, very challenging and, and very yeah. hard. And I think your point about it's not, it's supposed, not supposed to happen to my daughter. And so um, mm-hmm. I think that's that's a very uh, excellent comment you make in terms of as a, as a as a mom who's really caring for her daughter and and, and really doing everything you can. Um, just of course, wondering who else is in your family or your support system or, or around you that can be at all helpful. So other sources of support sometimes yeah. can be helpful, yes. So that you don't have to be the only one to do all the driving. Um, perhaps somebody could help you with that. Dr. Palos? Do you well, I think um, finding other folks that can support uh, you in that role is important. And I would think probably being the mom, you were used to taking care of her as a child, mm-hmm. and now you're back in that role of taking care of her while she's going through this experience. Uh, but remember, there are other folks out there. Um, I had a patient that developed a, a care team, and it was about five or six different folks that would help her husband, because it was her husband that was getting into that role, um, take turn, everybody took turns taking her to, for her radiotherapy treatment. And it was a real treat for her, because then she got to communicate with different people every day, or as much as she could. So that, that was something that she could look forward to. Oh, today it was um, Agnes taking her, and Agnes and her used to go to college together and the next day it was her sister taking her and they could talk about you know the things that were going on in the so it really gave her something to look forward to so if there's any way you can identify some folks that could develop a care team that would help you and getting some rest that you need and some time for yourself. And then that would help your daughter also in being able to to keep the communication going with, with folks that she feels uh, comfortable with in, in her life. And just um, obviously that's so important, uh, you know, establishing a local care team. But just to go back to what Carolyn was saying, cancer care is national. And we do have, we're talking about technology before, we do have online groups and, of course, telephone groups. And, Many times, even though people are in different parts of the country, they feel so supported by these other people and get such ideas, and uh, they look forward to connecting to other people. The important thing is kind of not to feel alone. That makes things much harder. So just wondering if people out there, Carolyn, go to our, the website and check out what's being offered at Cancer Care because we can bring people throughout the country together with very, very similar concerns who, who really do want to help other people and want to establish a sense of community. And we and we actually I'm going to we actually also offer practical and um, practical help also sometimes with transportation and all kinds of things. So mm-hmm. we actually um, will be as we conclude I'll be saying more about that. But we have a host of services. So I appreciate um, actually um, Jeff for your question in terms of just and, and really the concept of um, having this care team. I'm really extending that care team to both being people you know, but also being um, some organizations that offer services that you sometimes might not know about. Well, I want to thank, actually, um, Dr. Palos and Dominic for just really being, uh, just doing, really being wonderful speakers on our program. They actually have been presented on this program last year, and I expect them back next year as well, and, and they will be speaking on other programs as well, but they really did a fantastic job. And I also want to thank all of you 
who really uh, queued up today and really worked with us and actually gave us your wonderful comments that really enriched our call today. You really gave lots of tips, lots of suggestions. Um, Janet, Linda, Janine, Pam, Leslie, all of you actually gave such wonderful, surely wonderful ideas of things that um, you know we could try, people could try on the call to help um, them. That coming from your voice as a caregiver was so powerful. Now, this is a one-hour education program, and that in planning a program like this, I'd like to remind all of you that um, that we're aware that you all have many needs that go far beyond the scope of one-hour program. So with that in mind, I just want to conclude by reviewing all the services that you can access from Cancer Care. We've mentioned some of them during the program, but I want to say more about them um, at this point. Now, Cancer Care has a staff of 40 master's level trained oncology social workers. And we're here to provide a host of services to you, from uh, just supportive counseling, and that can be done over the telephone or online, so really we uh, all, all types of services individually and in groups as well. And that's amazing to actually be connected all over the country. Um, you know, just it's really that connection is so powerful. We also do offer practical and financial assistance as well. So you might want to check us out for that as well. And you can simply call our 800 number. It's in your materials, 1-800-813-HOPE. Or visit our website at www.cancercare.org. And again, you have all those materials that were sent to you. Um, and we very much want to be available to help you with all of your concerns. We also we also have lots of materials and informational materials and materials about caregiving as well, lots of booklets and materials and fact sheets. Um, and we also, of course, have many telephone education workshops on many different types of uh, issues that we address on these workshops, and um, you're welcome to participate in future programs as well. Most importantly, however, as we conclude our program today, I would not want anyone of you to feel that you're alone in coping with as a caregiver in coping or in coping with cancer. We want you to feel that you're part of a community of support and that um, we are here for you, that we um, are here to help you. Um, and you can call us any time. Um, you can call us um, to talk about some concern or issue that you may have or just to have someone to talk to. Um, our staff are here for that, and those, there is no cost for those services. So um, I want to remind all of you that I know this is we're entering a period of time, I think as Dominic had said earlier and Dr. Palos, this is a time of year that, you know, is complicated already for everybody. And if you introduce then a health problem and caregiving, cancer, it becomes more complex. We want you to know that we're here for you all year round, but particularly at this time of year, we want you to know that we're here for you in terms of uh, offering you any help or services that we can um, to kind of make it more possible for you to cope with the day-to-day -day issues that you each confront. So do call us and, um, and really stay connected um, with us. We are um, actually um, here to help you, and um, we're, we're simply a phone call away. So thank you all for participating today. I do want to wish you all a very fine day, and I also want to wish you um, really a fine holiday season as well. Um, and we hope that some of the tips and information you received today will, um, will help you during this time of year. Thank you all, and um, thank you all for participating. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the program. You may disconnect and have a wonderful day.